0: Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence one stripe at a time. Well, hi, everybody. Wes McDonald here with Tiger Paw Radio. Super excited uh, to have some incredible guests, which I've had the pleasure of doing work with. Uh, over many years and many different capacities. So for everyone that is on the uh, panel today, thank you very much. And for all of your l- listeners, thank you very much as well. Today, we're gonna be talking about women technology leaders. And I did wanna have this as a panel-driven discussion today. So without further ado, let's meet our panel. And as always, I like to let my panel members introduce themselves. Uh, myself with Tigerpaw Software, and West McDonald Co., I'm obviously your host today. So Van Little is someone I've had the honor of working with uh, back in the internet days and Van, maybe you can introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah,
1: sure, so uh, I'm Van Little, Canadian native. I'm currently the the global CTO at InterDynamics. It's a a global system integrator located up here out of Edmonton. Fun fact about me is that I was once chased by a grizzly bear and I survived (laughs) it and lived to tell about it. I love the outdoors, I spend a lot of time outdoors. I fish, I hike, and one day while in Northern Alberta, while camping with friends, a grizzly bear ran across a river, tried to eat me. I was very grateful that he was stopped by a park ranger with a very high-powered rifle. Yeah, it hasn't, de- hasn't deterred my love of the outdoors, but it makes for an interesting story at parties, that's for
0: sure. So your idea of fun and mine are, are a little different. <laughs> wow, <laughs> what a great story. I will never be able to follow that one up. So thank <laughs> you very much for being on our panel today.
2: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: And next, uh, Yvette Steele, if you could introduce yourself our audience.
2: Absolutely. This is, um, as Wes said, I'm vet Steele. I am the leader of CompTIA's Advancing Tech Talent and Diversity community. Um, A lot of people on this call are probably very familiar with CompTIA for what we do around our certifications, Um, but when it comes to the work of the community, we focus on helping advance the workforce in entering a tech career or thriving within the technology industry as well as helping organizations large and small advance and or launch their diversity equity and inclusion strategies and initiatives it's all around uh, making sure that when the workforce enters uh, the technology industry that there's a welcoming environment there so that they'll so they'll stick around
0: Thank you very much for being part of this I've known you for a lot of years mm-hmm. and
2: have uh, had the honor of
0: uh, seeing that in action. And uh, what about one interesting, fun fact about yourself?
2: Um, I am a cat lover, and I raise a colony. I'm not going to say I raise a colony, but I have a colony of feral cats uh, that hangs out around my house all the time. So the the delivery people, you know, UPS, Uber Eats. I always get comments from them about how cute the cats are or how afraid they are, but they provide a lot of joy just watching them through the window. To watch them grow up together and and to see, them, see their habits together and the way they care for one another is just a beautiful thing and it just makes my day.
0: Well, your fun fact uh, with animals it sounds a lot safer than vans. So yeah, right.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Indeed. Well,
0: well, thank you very much for being on the show today. And uh, Beth Neergarder.
3: Yes, thank you, Wes. I am Beth Neergarder. I am the channel manager at Rocket Cyber. We are a managed stock out of Dallas, Texas. I am a born and raised Texan, so I love everything outdoors. I love to hunt, uh, fish, hike. My kids love it too. So three amazing kiddos that all enjoy doing everything outside. So I would really like to hang out with Van sometime. <laughs> so, like we would get along very well. Um, and then my fun fact is actually the same as yours, Wes. I'm an identical twin um, and we live about 10 minutes apart. We have the same amount of children and our firstborns were both born either the day before or the day after our birthday.
0: <laughs> so that's a pretty powerful set of dates. It is, yeah. it's a lot. Well, nice to finally have another identical uh, twin on the show. And thank you very much for joining us today.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: One of the things I wanna do is go through some statistics and obviously we'll probably talk more about these as we continue through the presentation. Uh, the first one is that it looks like we've almost uh, gotten sort of parity between men and women in the workforce, but still work to do, 47% of women in the workforce in America today. That uh, arguably is the good news portion of this. As we start to move into other areas uh, such as management, which you all occupy today in one form or another, Only 26% of women share those management roles and it gets worse in technology, which is the other space that we're all in. Only 19% of women's uh, share in the computer science degrees. Uh, So it's a little uh, discouraging to think that uh, as we get into technology, it looks more and more like we have less parity. And I certainly want to talk about those and let let you talk to those things as we move uh, through today's uh, discussion. It is 2020. We do see quite a diversity gap in, in technology specifically. That I think I'm gonna maybe get you to start with this one because you do a lot of work directly for CompTIA around diversity and women in technology. So maybe you can help us out with this one. Why do we still have this
2: gap? There's a lot of reasons uh, about uh, diversity in tech. And I think the experience for um, women of color varies from uh, women in the majority culture. From personal experience, I'm a baby boomer, in case you can't tell, um, but growing up, um, the opportunities were very different um, when I was in school. I, I wanna say that um, the, the challenge starts early on with um, you know, the lack of curriculum that's available to inner cities and uh, in inner city schools, which perpetuates you know, the, the ongoing gap. As, as we get into the workforce, then women combat um, sexism, um, racism bias in the workplace. It continues on where uh, recruiters aren't educated or aren't trained to be able to to overcome their own personal biases when it comes to um, making sure that there are women uh, represented within the workforce as well as uh, women of color. Leaders within the, indus- in, within the industry also need to uh, Change their way of thinking to upset upset the status quo. So, you know, for example, making sure that um, that there's when they have a, a position open that there's a diverse slate uh, before they even start interviewing. Making sure that you know that women are represented, underrepresented minorities are represented. Diversity is is one of the um, the primary tenets and what helps organizations be successful. So. I would have to say that you know one of the, the biggest reasons for the gap is you know, the lack of opportunity for, for um, people of color just knowing that there's an opportunity for a tech career. And then once we migrate into the workforce that you know, the barriers are there and it's up to leadership to really make a difference in, in, in the hiring processes and changing things around so that we have uh, more opportunities for, for more people that are, that are seeking jobs. And
0: Van, maybe you can add to that for us. You're obviously, uh, at least in your own position, a global, you know, chief technology officer, right? So you have obviously uh, surpassed a lot of hurdles and done a lot of great things. Why do you think that there is is still this gap, though, overall?
1: I think, like as Yvette mentioned, there's a lot of factors. Um, and just speaking from my own experience, when I was starting out in my career, and even even in university, when selecting a major. There was just this sense of, well, I do not belong here. And you have to be the type of person that had a background and upbringing to say, you know what, I don't care that I don't belong here. I still want to be here. Um, and it's, it's just this extra hurdle that um, minority groups and women in general have to overcome because they look around and they see middle-aged white males. They're different and they're very obviously different and they stand out different. Their approach to the work is different. Um, you know, they come from a different culture or a different angle, and their opinions are not always respected or heard. It makes it a lot harder to break in, and there's this constant sense of, I have to overcome this barrier. It's it's a barrier that I have to overcome, which, you know, doesn't exist for
0: the incumbents that have traditionally been in this space. Uh, as the one non-female on the, on the call today, is that I've also got to be aware of my bias, right? When I'm you know, working in the space. And the only thing I can think of from my own experience is uh, for example, when I first came into the technology space from the managed print world, right? That I was nervous about that because there were simply things I didn't understand, let alone having these other barriers
2: um, because I'm already a male in the technology space, right?
0: So yeah, thank you for that.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say too, what um, would really help it advance um, and or close the gap is having more male allies. who are able to, you know, come alongside of 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 women issues and and be more supportive and and Wes, I I, I applaud you for, you know, making the note uh, note to self about being aware of your own biases. Um, spreading that word to your colleagues is is one way that you know each of us can start to make a difference. Um, every day within the space that we're in.
0: So Beth, what about yourself? What kind of experience do you have? What do you think? There's still this gap in technology. You're in the technology space. What do you see?
3: Well, I mean, honestly, if you look at the different um, careers that people could take and how people are marketing it and seeing the promotion of that career and how it looks, that visibility to a young girl who's looking to make a career choice early on in life is not something that they see as something that they could possibly do because it's not highlighted as something great or something that they're seen as. It's definitely male dominated. So why would they want to take that step and have that big competition and be looked down upon because you're the only female in that industry so that's a huge thing i see that my my daughter's in high school and the classes that they're offering don't promote that kind of stuff very often and even even nowadays they still don't so it's just getting to that younger generation first to make that step i mean even in my role today i still walk up to people uh men in their white males that they're like, you actually do know what you're talking about. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know why you just made that comment. It just surprises wow. me that they don't think that I would know the IT space um, just because I'm a female.
0: And my daughter's eyes were opened up because they actually did have a STEM uh, program uh, in which it was developed specifically in the school uh, for young girls. I think at that time she was nine years old, right? when she was 11 years old, she actually got to work on uh, some programming, develop, developing an app specifically for uh, different types of uh, bug bites. So living in the country where we do in Waynefleet, there's a lot of different bugs, and, and thank goodness that they had proactively been introduced to it in school, so she now has that interest, right? Um, the next one is, uh, as we did talk about, you know, there are certain biases, and it's still disheartening to hear that people would actually you know, be amazed by how knowledge would be on a certain field. Um, not only because you're a woman, but because also you're in a leadership role, right? So let's discuss that a little bit. And that, maybe I'll get you to start on this one. You're all tech leaders. Can you talk about uh, the journey getting there and, and what that's like for you today?
2: Here's the amazing thing about my journey, I think, is that I wasn't exposed to tech believe it or not, until college. I had to uh, take a class in information systems, that's what they called it back then, just to be able to graduate. And I struggled and struggled to get my C. It was, it was amazing. Um, after college, um, my entree into tech um, wasn't anything that I was even thinking about. Um, I, I landed in tech in a sales role. So, you know, over the years, um, you know, as time went by, you know, I honed my craft better and I was able to um, to escalate through the ranks uh, just because of my sales numbers. You know, that high performance, um, you know, being in the top, you know, two or three percent of, of all the other sales reps um, didn't get me to a management role. I was looked over time and again by white male counterparts, who oftentimes were underperforming in sales and they were promoted based on their potential rather than their track record. I always had my track record with me. However, after having a couple of hard knocks and a couple of good cries, I realized that, well, that's not gonna help. So, you know, you've gotta change up the game a bit, right? You've gotta understand um, and have a plan and be intentional about what you wanna do. So, you know, um, understanding and articulating my value um, was, and and finding my voice was probably the best thing i could have ever done for myself in terms of advancing i had to uh, diversify my network beyond my family and friends uh to include more people in the industry more people within the organization and and step outside of my comfort zone letting leadership know you know what i wanted to do and And having them work with me, partnering with my manager and my manager's manager about uh, what my goals and aspirations were and to help me develop the skills that I need in order to help the organization uh, meet company goals. So it it was all around partnership, having a a strategy and a plan. And finally, just asking for the promotion. Um, When the opportunity presents itself, I I couldn't expect somebody to tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, vet, you know, we think this would be a good role for you. That's never worked for me. So, asking for what I wanted, uh, working hard for it, and partnering with um, other people who are in a position to help, seeking a personal board of advisors, if you will, you know, has helped me get get to where I am today. And I'm looking forward to, um, even now, I'm still looking to to uh, continue to advance in my career.
0: I love that uh, idea of a personal board of advisors, right? And that's something that we can certainly all use. Because you mentioned a few things there with your strategy, uh, the fact that you were still overlooked, even though you had the track record versus the potential, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about an area of bias, um, but certainly that you know that personal board of advisors helping you through those things, and uh, just love the concept of mentorship, right? And glad that you're in a position now too, where you can actually help use those lessons for for mentorship. So Beth, maybe you can share with us as well uh, your experience as as a manager and technology leader. you know how has that been? What's your story?
3: Yeah, so um, I actually was introduced to tech early on. My dad uh, was in IT, and so he always jolted into us of we need to be able to do this on our own and things are gonna be moving forward, so you need to make sure that you're looking at the IT space. So even for my senior graduation present, he and I built a computer together as our final, like, hey, you're going off to college and just, Here's your last thing uh, to take with you to college. And so I didn't even go to school for IT. I went for nursing. And so um, didn't even get into the space till later on in life. Um, uh, I was in oil and gas for a little while. And then with the crash of it, I went into the telecom space and uh, worked my way up there. I was in their HR department and working with people. I I love to help grow people and grow them into their next roles. Um, and then eventually took that on myself, and I'm like, okay, we're going to go into marketing and sales for uh, for telecom because I just found a huge interest in the products and learning about them. And you found out so much more in those fields. Um, and so when I joined up with Rocket Cyber, they are so educational in what they're doing. They they teach you the product, you know the ins and outs of it, how it works, and how to grow it to the next level. So it's been great to see that there is such a good male leadership at at Rocket Cyber to do that, because um, most companies that I've worked for, they're like, nope, you're doing your one role, that's it. We don't wanna help you get to the next level. So it's it's been really nice working with a company that does that for you.
0: So Vanessa, for yourself, a global CTO, traveling around the world, what's your story?
3: I started
1: out uh, inspired by technology as a child. I was the kid that used to take the phone apart and take the TV apart, much to my parents' dismay. Just I needed to know how it worked. I needed to understand it. Um, but I never really viewed IT as a career until, you know, about four days before I went to university and I last minute switched my major. I was originally going to go and study medicine, uh, because I, I enjoyed it, but not nearly as much as I enjoyed technology, but I just never saw it as a possibility. And finally I was like, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try and I'll fall back on medicine, (laughs) fall back on medicine, um, if, if, if the whole IT thing doesn't pan out, but, but to me it was like a, it was a risk. It was an experiment and it, because I didn't feel like it was accessible to me at the time and um, luckily it worked out. But mucking through my career, I remember earlier in my career, Yvette touched on a really great point. Um, I didn't advocate for myself and I'd worked twice as hard as, as my white male counterparts. I'd accomplished twice as much and I was still not getting kudos, recognition, raises, promotions, any of it. And I would go home so depressed, like, what am I doing wrong? I'm better than all of these clowns. Why am I not being pushed forward? And it took me a long time to really come to the realization that, um, you know, the game is is rigged for for those of us that are in diversity minority groups. And I, I had to come to terms with that and figure out how to get around it. And I, I mean, I took a bunch of different paths to it. At first, I just started... Acting like a guy, so I cut my hair short. I'd start wearing glasses, dressing kind of frumpy, and going with the flow when someone told kind of an off collar joke that was derogatory to women. You know, never wearing makeup or dressing feminine or being feminine or showing any sign of emotion in public or anything that was flagged as traditionally female. I, I started to shun all those behaviors and, for for the most part, just act like a dude to try to, you know, disguise myself among them. And it it wasn't very effective because I was not a man. And it didn't make sense to behave like a man. Um, But then I started to do things like, um, you know, try to join the boys club. I started playing golf. I started playing more hockey uh, on men's teams so that I could have that rapport with them after the game where they have, you know, those informal bro moments that they all seem to be, you know, brewing these relationships from. I tried that and even that wasn't that effective. I was just, I was still the lady that was tagging along. And finally, I just realized I could be a lady and very effective at my job and that was when I really came into my own and that was when I actually started to get promoted I would look like a woman and I would sound like a woman but still articulate my points very effectively and still go to the whiteboard and and school everyone in there that I knew what I was doing that was when things started to happen and I mean there were still a few incidents where I had to mention to HR asking them you know why was I passed over for this promotion when my track record is much stronger than the person that was promoted and they said well it's not just about performance it's about behavior and and expectation and and you know being able to socialize your own skills it wasn't until i figured that out it really clicked for me that i realized you know how it is you you can move forward as a woman
0: and it, it sounds to me like modifying your character or thinking you have to to be able to actually you know fit in right and that's a terrible disservice. so hopefully everyone listening to this webinar today mm-hmm. Uh, takes heed of that, um, but the message I really like there is that when you finally found your own voice, that you found a way to work around the the rigged system, right? Like, nope, I'm here to stay, here to play, and, and the way that I want to. So, hopefully, that's a strong lesson for everyone else, you know, out there. So, thank you for sharing that.
2: Wes, um, I'd like to add one other thing to um, when, as women, and we express our fen- our femininity. We're attracting attention because we're not the guys and we're not looking like the guys. My attitude is as long as you're looking, let me give you something to look at. Let me show you who I am, what I can do and why I deserve to be here and be confident in that message. And it's it's made a huge impact across, you know, everything I do. And I have two young daughters and I'm making sure that I instill that into them early you know growing up uh back in the you know the 70s and the 80s you know my parents didn't know that and you know they encouraged me to uh pursue careers like you know teachers or accountants or nurses i'm not in love with kids so i wouldn't have made a great teacher don't enjoy working with numbers so accounting wasn't going to work for me and um i am scared to death at the sight of blood so nursing wasn't going to work for me either landing in tech and just being able to uh, use different skill sets and and realizing too that I can be uh, more in control of of my environment by embracing who I am as a person um, you know was the best thing I could have ever done for myself and I'm happy to be on this panel with two other women where it's you know this isn't just a um, um, a formula that works for me it works for everybody that puts their mind to it when we look at uh,
0: tips for diversity in the in the tech sector specifically uh, to be able to make sure that there are more uh, women that are given opportunities in this space. What would those be? So maybe Yvette, we'll start with you on that.
2: Wow. Um, big one. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know, uh, diversity tips for the tech sector. I mean, I'd have to say you know that um, for organizations that it's not a one size fits all approach, and to do away with the traditional ways of of educating, uh, you know, the, the workforce around being more inclusive. So, for example, you know, the uh, the annual one and done bias training, yeah. those are ineffective. Um, you're not going to change a lifetime of beliefs in a three hour workshop. It's just not going to happen. Um, instead, you know, you know, institute a diversity, um, equity, and inclusion curriculum so that you know that knowledge is, is slowly seeping in. Um, you know, throughout the year, you know, begin uh, by uh, rewarding the uh, the changes in behavior that they want to see. Tie those changes in behavior to uh, raises and bonuses, um, so that again you're encouraging the workforce to model the behavior that you want to see. Building um, on inclusion within the organization, so that. Um, you know, it's it's a workplace that everybody wants to come to. That it's um you're you're building your brand so that you can attract more diverse people into the organization. I think the role that companies play is for senior leaders to step up and say, you know, not on my watch. Not because it's the right thing to do, but because it's good for business. I recently read that um, in the May 2020 report, McKinsey um, reports that there's a 48 percent performance differential between the most and the least gender diverse organizations so let that soak in for a second a 48 percent performance differential it's good for business i mean yep. the question i think senior leaders need to ask themselves is not what we can do better for women but what can we do better with women
0: and uh, what about you vanessa any you know tips on you know sort of uh, inserting more diversity into the tech sector one of
1: the things that oh has always stood out for me is companies need to subtly yet fundamentally change the way they do business, especially internally things like traditionally when you have a meeting especially now in the age where everyone's just on the phone creating a format and space for everyone to be able to contribute and not just the loudest person or the person that that talks over everyone else which is traditionally the person that that is heard the most but creating a format that you go around the room and you get an opinion from everybody that includes, all types of um, approaches and different cultural backgrounds, different, different um, like male-female differences. Because women, I hate to say it, we're less likely to interject because we're viewed as pushy. And, you know, that's, and, and I mean, personally, I think being pushy is, is an asset, but women have been raised to, to believe that pushy is a bad personality trait. Uh, and so they're they're less likely to to speak over someone and interject in a meeting. So if you, if you do something simple and tactical like that, just making enough space for everyone to speak in a meeting and making sure that the meeting is is long enough so that you can do that, you're going to have more effective meetings. You're going to innovate more because you're going to have a more diverse pool of ideas. Um, and, and as you mentioned, it's better for business in general. Little things like that that, that seem pedantic, make such... A huge impact over time across the whole organization. But as Yvette mentioned, it has to come from the top down. The leadership has to enforce this behavior and this culture. And that means when you look down at your own organization, how diverse is your org? Is it all white males? Or like, is it all middle-aged people? Do you have a good uh, a good mix of young people, more experienced people, people from different backgrounds, people from different countries? or you know do you just fall into that rut by by throwing your hands in the air and saying well I only got resumes from from white males so that's all I hired that's not that's not an excuse as a leader you have to be be finding other channels to gather resumes then if you're opening new positions for your company you we have a responsibility to reach out and reach deeper beyond the traditional channels to start attracting this talent to our company because as Yvette mentioned it's a huge asset to your company to have that diversity it's worth the extra effort you have to put in to find these people
0: yeah it's so important what you say about not just accepting that i got this pile of resumes it's not my fault right whereas that should actually inspire more questioning in other words sitting back and say wait a minute why do we only have this pool of applicants right what's the issue there right who can we get in touch with you know like i know for example that you could at CompTIA, someone could get in touch with you and say how do we get more mm-hmm. candidates right i mean coptia you know, is all about that volunteerism and, and making sure that we have access to things that maybe traditionally in our business world don't happen, but we've just kind I ask. am
2: happy to help.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, it, that always shocks me. The other thing you said there, Vanessa, which is really uh, disheartening, um, is the fact that uh, the same attitudes, depending on whether you're a man or a woman, today in 2020 still um, are seen in different ways, right? and um, I don't want to get into politics or anything else, that's another podcast entirely, but when you have uh, female leaders going against male leaders, exhibiting the same behavior, how different uh, sometimes people report on that, and it's uh, it's really difficult. Uh, Beth, what about yourself? Uh, Any tips for diversity in the the tech sector?
3: Um, Well, yeah, um, I do piggyback on them with definitely going with management first and making sure that they're educated um, on how to create diversity and how valuable it can be in, in their culture. Um, also, in, employee engagement is huge, and so being able to collect the data, like finding out personality tests and figuring out what different kind of personalities to be able to say, then say, hey, we're not going to base it off of your gender. We're going to base it off your personality type, and we're going to accommodate to that. So instead of going off of their female and male, this is what girls get, this is what guys get, this is what we think you want, actually do the research and actually know who your employees are. So I think those kind of things being implemented will definitely help more so with the culture and people wanting to go and work for those kind of companies that are female as well.
2: One of the things that I think is is really critical to this conversation is, you know, since we're talking um, about women in uh, leadership in tech um, and you know, those who have access to the C-suite, you know, who are, you know, very senior levels, um, I would like to encourage them um, to to be a part of the change too. Because, you know, for those of us who are in middle management or, or aspiring to, to be senior leaders, uh, we need your allyship as well um, to be able to break the glass uh, that's holding the rest of us back. So you're in a position to drive change. Um, you know, I, I think that it's, you know, it's it's important for for women to give back. I'd also like to say too that, um, you know, driving change isn't something that's somebody else's job to do. Uh, We can do it as well. Don't know if you all are aware of the fact that uh, there's a National um, Technology Day on January 6th, happens every year. January 6th, and what if we as a panel, um, the three of us, or Wes, too, we need male allies to put our heads together to figure out, you know, uh, what we can do uh, to create a movement within the channel. No one's doing it. This is an excellent opportunity. Uh Uh-oh, yep, right? (laughs) January 6th. All right. I think we could do something to raise awareness and make an impact, and we can start, you know, driving change ourselves since we have, um, you know, a platform in which to do it.
0: Uh, I would say that this uh, this webinar and podcast interview has been well worth it just to get that one action out of them. So if I can help them in, if I'm not needed, uh, I'll take that too. But now you can help. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, you know, I keep thinking though too, like as as we've talked about this so far, what you mentioned there that was really important about this kind of top down approach, and actually everyone's kind of talked about that. Beth, you've mentioned it as well. Um, They're really working to make sure that if that message does come from the top down. Uh, that certainly will get listened to from others in the organization, right? And that's as true as in sales as anything else. I mean, uh, anytime I've been uh, looking at a complex sale, they always say start from the top, right? And then start figuring out who you have to work with throughout the chain of command. And certainly uh, diversity in the workplace, uh, because we still have so much work to do, it is a complex issue and we need to make sure that those people at the top, uh, female or male, you know, are taking the charge to lead it, right? All right, next, moving on to our next question and uh, thinking of our time and respect for everyone on the call today, as well as our listeners. We live in probably the strangest year uh, since I was born and maybe since everyone was born. I remember speaking with my Uncle Don, he's 92 years old, and I, you know, was talking about the pandemic and said, well, I'm sure you've seen a lot of, you know, terrible things in your life. And he goes, nothing like this. I was like, come on, you've seen World War II, right? Like you've seen all these different things. And he was saying that just that the personal impact that had on him because, you know, World War II he said was fought in Europe. Yes, we had rationing here. Yes, we had certain things, but it didn't really directly impact me as much as this does. So for diversity in the workplace, I'm not even sure how to, how to tackle this one, other than to say that we did see examples of this in Canada, which still show us that our system is broken, right? so as kids have to stay home from school and everything else there's a very one-sided ask of people that are in the workforce and who's going to you know take care of that during pandemic times right so what kind of risks um, and maybe even hopefully solutions have you seen during the pandemic and the efforts uh, to increasing diversity in tech and maybe uh, vanessa i'll get you to start on that one
1: sure so the first and obvious one is that you know the role of primary caregiver Keeps defaulting to the women in times of crisis, so um, that's always going to be a, a, an issue. Because now these kids are home; uh, they need to be homeschooled with uh, you know their home curriculums, and so everything that goes along with that. You can't just sort of tuck them into their rooms with a with a Chromebook and expect that they're going to be self sufficient for the entire day. You are still a caregiver for that child in your home, regardless of how old they are. Um, the mentality that it's going to fall to the women, and even women suffer from this mentality, they just step into that role. They just take care of business. That mentality needs to start to break down, especially as this pandemic is getting more and more protracted. Uh, it's lasting longer and longer than it, than anyone thought possible. The, the, the role needs to be split, right? It, primary caregiver can't always fall to the woman. It has to be split equally among partners, um, this, this traditional excuse that, well, you know, the other, the, the other parent makes more money, so I'm going to take on this role of primary caregiver. No, 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 no. That's not <laughs> the way it works. The other parent will always make more money because you're never going to be able to advance your career.
2: Right.
1: Um, you need to be able to sit down with your partner, if you have one, or, you know, your social circle, whether that includes grandparents, what have you, to discuss um, the impacts of being a caregiver on the children, as well as being able to support everyone in their current careers. Everyone's gonna to have to take a, a little bit of a step back to make this work, and it sh- the burden shouldn't fall all to one caregiver. It's not fair.
0: Maybe Beth or Yvette, you can sort of jump into this one a little more. What do What do workplaces have to do so that doesn't happen, so that it doesn't just become that default? We mentioned earlier that obviously, even with hiring biases, right, that that's in place. So this sounds like a default breadwinner bias. How do we how do we beat that? How do like how do we fight that?
3: Well, uh, for uh, for me, I am a single mom of three kids. So they they're at home with me whenever they're at home. Um and so thankfully I have an amazing group that I work with that if I need to do school at this time, later in the evening if I can get my work done then then I can do it. So the flexibility to offer a, a mom to be able to say hey do some school work with your kid get online when you can and then finish up your work in the evening that's huge yes in sales is a little hard because you're going to want to call and do all your follow-ups during the day but just set, schedule out certain times so that you have hey this is set for kids at this time and then go into your sales and then set this time uh, aside as well so in, at our company we actually hired three fe- females during covid Um, And it was great. I mean, they have come on board, they have kids, so they've been able to work with their kids being home as well. Um, So it's actually been great to see that and see that our company is pushing towards that still, um, even in this time.
0: And Yvette, yourself, any sort of advice on this risk of pandemic and and diversity? Like, are there any silver linings that we've come to? Because uh, you cannot be in the work world without having seen these problems either on the news or in government or in the lives of people that we all work with, where it's definitely had a, a pushback impact, right? I've seen it, I've witnessed it, so.
2: Silver linings, COVID will end one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, that's that's the day I, I'm looking forward to. Um, but to everybody's, um, you know, in agreement with everybody here, the pandemic has done our careers as women no favors. The, you know, the stress on us is is, is incredible. Um, you know, our, I, I think, What's what's worked well for for me and a, and a lot of my colleagues, not only just at Comptia but in other organizations, is having that partnership with your manager about, you know, what your work life balance is. Um, you know, these are the times I'm available for meetings. You know, these are the times I have to be with the kids. Um, you know, these um, I you know I'm most productive, say maybe from four in the morning to eight in the morning while the kids are asleep before. the right so but having that dialogue um you know goes a long way but you know when we talk about you know the effects that pandemics uh the pandemic has had on diversity uh particularly women as as we are in caregiving roles um we're losing visibility um with you know within the organization um you know that um you the fact that you know the um, the executive the executive suite and your your managers just down the hall you you lose that visibility where and that interaction where you can connect and talk about things and and then to you know to be able to problem solve in the moment um, again to just be able to to show your value throughout the day um, you know it's easy to to um to hide in a zoom meeting you don't turn your camera on so um you know we're losing visibility there too especially when you're distracted so you know I, i'd have to say that um you know as we talked about earlier that we had to to change our game up to to advance in our career we have to change our game to be visible you know in this virtual world so what does that look like I, for me it looks like speaking up more on Zoom meetings than I did in face to face meetings. Um mm-hmm. sitting silently makes me invisible and I'm not adding value. And so when you know the um the higher ups get together and talk about um you know where the organization's going and putting the right people on the bus I'm not top of mind anymore because you know I'm not in the office where they can see me. I haven't been speaking up in meetings. I haven't been adding value to the conversation or, you know, being able to demonstrate my ability to problem solve. So, you know, um, the pandemic just has um, required us, you know, for us to think differently, to be more creative. I, I'd have to say if um, if there is a silver lining in this time before the pandemic ends, is that, um, you know, it's, it's creating an opportunity for us to step outside of our comfort zones, learn something new um, and learn how to adapt in a virtual world, because now that it's here, it's not going to go away, even post-pandemic.
0: Yeah, I agree. And hopefully that's one of the things that we're doing today as well, right, is using these pandemic times to be able to have these conversations and to be able to get people engaged in these conversations. So thank you. Um We're uh, running short on time. I wish I could uh, actually do this one today for two hours, but unfortunately we have one. But if there's one piece of advice that you could give our listeners, you know, sort of to finish off their day and to think about as we move towards trying to improve diversity in the technology workspace, what would that be? And uh, maybe Beth, I'll get you to start this one.
3: Yeah, um, so for me, I think the biggest value that I got was finding the people that'll help pick you back up anytime you feel knocked down so people that'll help drive you forward be in your corner or what a lot of people are saying your tribe that are all also in the same kind of mentality space like they're trying to drive their business forward and try to be forward thinkers and try to be the next level so find a group of like-minded people men or women whichever one you choose um just to help grow you and build you
0: I like that. So a, a peer group. And as we talked about earlier, kind of that personal board of trustees. Right. And now Vanessa, what about you? One, if you just had one piece of advice? It's help each
1: other. It's the, the, the famous quote that always goes around and around when we when we discuss women in the workplace is there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. And that yeah. that couldn't be more true. And but that that transcends um, a whole myriad of topics it's not only you know making sure that people are getting recognized and have a voice in your own company but doing things like setting an example for women in technology leadership speak at events volunteer at you know girls who code issue white papers give webinars join podcasts like these just to get the word out so that young ladies that are coming up as the next generation of IT leaders see established IT leaders and say i want to be that i want to be like her um Set that example and and help help others that are that are looking into maybe getting into the the industry by offering them some advice. Have a cup of coffee with them, have a chat with them, be an ally to them as you build your own network of allies. it's It's sort of uh, cyclical in nature. so the more we help others in, in the more we end up helping ourselves moving forward,
0: yeah, I hear a sense of uh, volunteerism, right? Like actually. You know, taking what, you know, you've done, no matter how hard it earned it was or or how long it's taken and making sure that you're giving that back. So thank you for that. And uh, that you actually get the last word. So if you had one piece of advice, what would that be?
2: I would say to our up and coming uh, women technologists, have a plan and work your plan. Don't expect that hard work alone is going to get you where you need to go. Have a plan and work it. I won't expand on it just because of time, but I'm happy to expand on it um, on LinkedIn or, you know, Wes, you know how to get in touch with me, but have a plan, work the plan and don't take no for an answer.
0: Well, I appreciate you being open to uh, having additional conversations. Uh, We'll certainly, uh, you know, make sure that everyone does understand that they can reach out on LinkedIn um, or if they do want to ask particular questions of any of you that if they reach through me through the podcast, we'll make sure that they get in touch. So thank you very much. Um, I did find a quote today that I, I really liked uh, from Melinda Gates, and it says that if you invest in a girl or a woman, you are investing in everybody else. And that you really you know, struck in this earlier when you uh, shared that statistic about the in- increase in productivity when we have more women in the workforce, right? More diversity in the workforce. So if you are ready for more Roar, uh, certainly you can reach out to us uh, on our website at www.tigerpod.com. Uh, further through our blog uh, blog.tigerpaw.com and also through Tigerpaw Radio. So for our, our panel today, I cannot thank you enough. And for all of our uh, listeners and people that are watching on the webinar today, thank you for joining Tigerpaw for another episode. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tigerpaw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.